Hey everyone, welcome to Experience Ministries Discipleship Podcast. I'm Dave Smuin, your host. And I'm Angie, your co-host. We're excited to share biblical principles to help us live our faith and glorify the Lord Jesus. This is episode 39. Was Jesus qualified to be the Savior? This is a really great question, and I think it's important that we stop and consider the qualifications that Jesus had to be the Savior of the world. Those are good questions, and we are currently working our way through the book of Colossians, and at the end, we are going to give you next week's questions. So today, we're looking at Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 through 20. And we're answering the two questions that we had from last week. So the first question that we're going to dive into today is, what can we learn about Jesus? Let's listen to the passage. Who delivered us out of the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have our redemption, the forgiveness of our sins who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in the heavens and on the earth, things visible and things invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things are held together. He is the head of the body, the assembly, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For all the fullness was pleased to dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things to himself by him, whether things on earth or things in the heavens, having made peace through the blood of his cross. So let's break down some of what we can learn about Jesus in these verses. Now, the first thing that I want us to see is that we can discover Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Now, this is such a powerful thing. I want us to slow down and just spend a couple of minutes on this, because personally, I just think this is amazing. What this passage reveals to us about Jesus is just amazing. Yeah, it's incredible, because God that we can't see, the Father God that we can't see, we can look to Jesus to see who he is. Exactly. Now, the Greek word image here is Strong's number 1504, And it means a direct image or a representation. So Jesus is a copy or a direct image or a representation of the invisible God. And man, I just can't say this is so powerful because in order for there to be an image or a copy or a direct representation, there has to be a real thing, right? And so one of the things that we can just grab onto in this is that we know God is real because Jesus is a physical representation of the invisible God. So when people say, well, I don't know if there was a God. Yeah, there is a God because we see him in physical form 
in Jesus Christ. And there is no debate that Jesus lived on the earth, that he died, and that he rose from the dead. The evidence is overwhelming of these things. And so what the scripture tells us is that Jesus is the representation of God. He is the image of God. And so, man, that's powerful. Let's jump into a couple more verses that talk about this. His Son is the radiance of His glory, the very image of His substance, and upholding all things by the word of His power, who, when He had by Himself purified us of our sins, sat down at the right hand of the Majesty on high. That is Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3 in the web version. And did you catch that? The very image of his substance. Man, I'm telling you, this is powerful when you grab hold of that. Jesus is the very image of the substance of God in physical form. He walked among us and people knew him. Man, they touched him. They went fishing with him. They ate with him. And unfortunately or maybe fortunately for us, they crucified him because we are the beneficiaries of that. All right, so check out this verse. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 in the web version says, In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving, that the light of the good news of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should not dawn on them. Again, we see this passage saying that Christ that would be Jesus Christ, or Jesus the Christ, is the image of God. Man, that is powerful. Okay, one last uh, verse, and uh, then we're going to kind of move forward. But I really want to park on this for a minute and encourage you to think about the depth of what this means, because it is powerful. Listen to this. This is John 14, 8 through 11 in the web version. Philip said to him, Lord, Show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you such a long time, and you do not know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How do you say, Show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I tell you, I speak not from myself, but the Father who lives in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Man, are you getting the, the picture here? I just pray the Holy Spirit infuses this truth into your spirit because this is so powerful when we grab that. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And man, that is so incredible. So many times, you know, we want to talk about the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And, you know, we, we divide those up and we talk about the Trinity and all of that. And I, I do that. That's good stuff. But here we see that they are all connected. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father because he is a physical representation of the invisible God. That's pretty man. incredible. That's powerful, and that impacts our daily lives because we can have confidence that there is a Father in heaven, that God does exist, and that he cares about us because he came in person to live among us and to redeem us. Man, that's powerful. Okay, 
let's move forward a little bit. Um, I don't know why that just is really speaking to me, and I pray it does you as well. But the second thing that we can learn from Colossians 1 here in these verses is that Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. Now, this doesn't mean that he was the first thing created. That's If you read the Greek, and we don't have time to really dive into that at that level, but what the statement really means is that he is before all creation. And when we understand that Jesus existed before anything was created, then it helps us grasp the idea that he is, in fact, God. And when you read verse 16, it really confirms this because it tells us not only that he existed before creation, but that he was involved in creation. Listen to verse 16 again. For by him all things were created in the heavens and on the earth, things visible and things invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things have been created through him and for him. Man, so we can see that not only did Jesus exist before creation, but that everything was created through him and for him. So just just ponder this. Salvation wasn't an afterthought. Jesus wasn't an afterthought. The Son of God coming to earth wasn't something that like, oh my goodness, we have a problem. We have to come up with a new plan. No, this is all part of God's plan that he had before creation. And Jesus is the center focus. So he, everything is created through him and for him to give glory to him and really so that we can be saved. Many people want to be independent of God. They want to do their own thing. They do, and that's, it's rampant in our culture today. Yeah, some people believe that God doesn't exist or that God is not relevant in our culture today. Some people believe that God has never done anything for them, and you know they get mad at God for not intervening and not helping them or not doing something for them. But the reality really is quite the opposite. God does stuff for us constantly every day because everything exists through him and by him and for him. So just think about what that really means. It is Jesus that causes the earth to rotate and to orbit the sun. It is Jesus that causes our atmosphere to stay in place so that we don't have a hole in the ozone layer and all the oxygen leak out. So Jesus is the one that gives us the air that we breathe. He really is. Um, You know, Jesus is the one who prevents global warming and catastrophes. Yeah, there are some problems in the world because it's not perfect at this point. It's corrupted by sin. But without Jesus, nothing would exist. Friends, we need to be a lot more grateful. We need to be thankful. We need to express gratitude to God because without Jesus sustaining this, it would just fall apart. We would cease to exist. Yeah. We wouldn't have air to breathe. There wouldn't be sunshine. We would freeze to death. We would just come apart, really. If you go back and you read verse 19 again, it really just confirms everything we've talked to about up to this point. Because in verse 19, it says that all the fullness dwelt in him. And God was pleased to have the fullness dwell in Jesus. 
That is so powerful. So what qualifies Jesus to be the Savior of the world? Well, it's the fact that Jesus, in fact, is God in the flesh on the planet Earth, and only Jesus qualifies to be the sinless sacrifice that pays the penalty of our sin, of our rebellion. Now, there is no doubt. I mean, you can't argue with the fact that we are sinners. Everything around us is fallen and corrupted due the, to the results of sin. I, I was a sinner. I'm saved now. I'm redeemed. I'm a child of the living God. But we all start out as sinners, right? And so when we look at sin and the corruption and the problem that it causes, man, it's only a loving God that would come in the flesh to pay the penalty of my sin so that he could restore us. That's so powerful. Yeah, we don't have to look very hard to see all of this destruction that you're talking about and to recognize that we need Jesus to be our Savior. Let's jump into our second question for the day, and it's this. What can we learn about what Jesus has done for us in this passage? And I want you to see, if you go back and look at 13, verse 13, it clearly identifies that there are two kingdoms. There is the kingdom of darkness. Now, the kingdom of darkness is ruled by the devil, by the serpent of old. He really controls this world and the things in this world right now. And that's why there is so many problems, sin and darkness. And we're born into that kingdom. We don't have an option when we're born. It's not like we say, oh, I want to sign up for this kingdom or I want to sign up for that kingdom. No, we are born into the kingdom of darkness because we're born with a sinful nature. But we don't have to stay there. Exactly. We get a choice. We have a choice. So this kingdom of darkness is full of fear. It's full of torment. It's full of all kinds of problems. And it controls people. It controls people through fear, anxiety, depression, substances that uh, are life-altering and controlling. Every kind of problem, every kind of sin, every kind of distortion is in the kingdom of darkness. And nobody escapes that. We, you can see evidence of that in everybody's lives. Yeah, you can see it in people that we would say, you know, that person's got a problem. But you can see it in the best of people. Yeah. They're still controlled by sin until Jesus redeems them. So what has Jesus done for us? Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead so that we could be forgiven. He became the sacrifice so that our sins could be forgiven. And when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and follow him, what happens is he transfers us from that kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God. So what that means on a really practical level is that we no longer have to be controlled by sin, by fear, by anxiety, by depression, by sickness. We don't have to be tormented by bad dreams and evil spirits and all of that kind of stuff. We don't have to be fearful about death and the things that happen in this world. That's really good news. It is good news. That is the good news. Because when Jesus died and was resurrected, 
Then he sent the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit dwells in us and gives us the power and the ability to overcome all of those things and to live a life that glorifies God and also that gives us joy and peace and enables us to experience true love. And that is the love of God. So what has Jesus done for you? I know what he's done for me. He transferred me from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God. And man, yeah, I'm still on the path, but I am overcoming. Are you an overcomer? I am an overcomer. And I just love that Jesus provided that way for me and for you to be transferred from from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of God. So have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Are you living for him or are you still living the old life, living for yourself, controlled by darkness? We don't have to be controlled by darkness. Jesus can change and transform our lives. If you've never done that, I would encourage you to accept Jesus. Ask him to forgive you and to be the Lord of your life and then start living for him, right? We, yes. have to, we have to live it. We can't just say a single prayer and that's it. That's not it at all. We need to accept him and we need to follow him. That's what Jesus told the disciples. Hey, come follow me. And they did and their lives were transformed. Now, if you want some help in that process, please reach out to us. If you go to the About page on YouTube or on the podcast, and you you click that, there's a link there to our website, click that, it'll give you our contact information on the website. Reach out to us by email, give us a phone call. We would love to talk to you and be part of that process of your life. Next week, we're going to be considering Colossians chapter 1, verses 21 through 23. That's not a lot of verses. No, it's not. It's only a couple verses, but man, is there some good stuff in those verses. And honestly, I feel a little guilty. We went really fast through this section. (laughs) I could have just parked there. In fact, I've done a sermon series on the verses we just covered, and we could have spent weeks there because there's so much more to it. But I pray that in your study, you got additional stuff. Now, this next week, we're going to cover Colossians 1, 21 through 23, and we want you to consider these questions as you study. Question one, what does it mean to be alienated, enemies, or hostile in mind toward God? Question two, have you truly been reconciled to God through Jesus? And question three, why does Paul say, if you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast and not moved away from the hope of the good news? We want to encourage you to click that subscribe button so that you can receive notifications when the new videos come out. We don't want you to miss anything. We want you to participate with us. And you can do that by answering the questions and putting comments on YouTube or emailing us and we'll have some email interaction back and forth. Uh, We have some new friends that are emailing us back and forth now and uh, talking about what we're sharing here in Colossians. And we would encourage you to do that. So until next week, God bless you.